0: Check the mic and make sure it sound right,
1: boys. It is time for us to share and share a life once again. Because of all the gin joints and all the towns and all the world, there's no need to cry over spilled milk. I do believe that was the true point of Casablanca. Hey, thanks for tuning in and welcome to episode five. It's a toast to the A-Town presented by the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andre Aldridge. I decided to quote Humphrey Bogart at the top of this episode because he carried a lot of weight in his era, his profession, definite baller status. On the screen, he was money. Also served his country in the Navy at the age of 18, Was shipped off to World War I. Later, in the midst of his great acting career, at the age of 55, Humphrey Bogart became the founding member and original leader of the Rat Pack. After a long weekend or week of partying a little too hard in Vegas. And Bogey did all of those big things in his life at the towering height of 5 feet 8 inches. Don't know if he could hoop, but there's no doubt he lived the life of a point guard. And we're really going to focus on point guards today. The best player on our team is 22-year-old Trey Young. Year 3 of his NBA journey, and he's not close to being a finished product. Now, last year, he was an all-star starter, and that was Tremendous. He actually found out while we were all in Oklahoma to play the Thunder the following night. Trey got the news while in his real home, and that's a moment that can never be taken away. Now this season, like many NBA players, I was stunned when we got word there would even be an All-Star game. Okay, no fans will be allowed to attend the event, which is here in Atlanta. Well, on Tuesday night, the All-Star Reserves were named and not on the list of Eastern Conference players, Trey Young. His personal numbers are certainly All-Star worthy, but instead, he's now a member of the Snub Club. And as for his immediate public reaction, Trey just said he's kind of confused on why he isn't an All-Star. He found out his status before the Hawks went to work in Cleveland. Now, they played a Cavalier squad that had lost 10 games in a row. The Cavs call the game a must-win contest. 22-year-old Atlanta native Colin Sexton had scored 20 or more points in five straight games for Cleveland, and he always gets up a little extra for games against his hometown team and Trey Young. And Sexton didn't disappoint the folks by the lake. The Marietta native finished with 29 points, making 9 of 16 shots. The Hawks had a five-point lead with two and a half minutes to go. But a six and three pointer narrowed that deficit, and the Cavs stormed back for a stunning 112 111 victory. With 11 seconds to go and the Hawks up one, Trey missed a runner, and the Cavs were able to advance the ball, get it up to Lamar Stevens, who went in for an uncontested dunk. The Hawks had no timeouts left, and Trey ended up passing the ball to Tony Snell, who didn't have time to get up a three pointer before the clock expired. So for the 10th time this season, our side was not able to hold on to a lead they had in the fourth quarter of all the gin joints. Now, there's still going to be a huge narrative in our town on Trey Young not making the All-Star team. For me, I have way more angst about our team being 13 and 18 after that Cleveland loss. And if there's any anger or disrespect felt, it ought to be about that record, not about an individual award. The All-Star Reserves were selected by the Eastern Conference head coaches. Now, you couldn't vote for a player on your own team, and they were allowed to select two guards, three frontcourt players, and two wild cards. So if Trey being pissed gives him more focus, helps him make better decisions, motivates him to play better defense, then as a Hawks fan, I say thank you, coaches. There are many, many great players that have gotten snubbed for All-Star Weekend. And that's never going to change. Look, the Celtics were victims of a Luka Dontich game winning shot on Tuesday night, which left them as a sub 500 team, just like the Hawks. Should they have two All Stars? Absolutely not. Now, I'm very happy that Atlanta native Jalen Brown is a first time All Star, but it should be him or Jason Tatum, not both. But on my laundry list of things to be unhappy with concerning basketball, and All Star selection isn't one of those things. Hey, this is the year side gets back into the playoffs, and that's the mindset everyone should have after a three-year non-playoff drought. So the continuing work for the, the Hawks this week, Wednesday, a date here in Atlanta with the Celtics, then a trip to Oklahoma City on Friday, followed by a taste of Miami on Sunday night. Now, in a couple of moments, I'm going to talk to my special guest, and he's a guy that had serious NBA hoop dreams while growing up. Matter of fact, He made the Indiana All-State team in high school and went to a major college on a basketball scholarship, played in the Final Four, had all kinds of hops, but he ended up turning to another sport where he was a pro for nearly two decades. That takes talent and an awful lot of mind power. And speaking of mind power and professionalism, I need to touch on the Hawks' loss in Cleveland for one more thing. Following the contest, Solomon Hill came out and addressed the media now, he's not going to average double digits in points, but as a seven-year vet, he more than carries his weight. Solo said to put the loss on him because his man had scored the dunk. And while that's valiant, that's not accurate. He's publicly standing up for his team, but here's the thing. On the last episode of A Toast to the A-Town, we spent a lot of time on helping the helper. Well, Solo does that and did that all night long in Cleveland. And with 11 seconds to go and a one-point lead, it's time to make basketball plays. He went to help somebody and needed a little help himself, someone to get his back. That did not happen. But instead of worrying about that, he said, blame me. It was my fault. Those are the kinds of guys you got to have to turn things around. He said a lot of other good stuff, too. Hey, don't cry over spilled milk, folks. Or maybe it's something in the water they drink. Solomon Hill was born in Harvey, Illinois. Interesting because my invited guest today was born about 15 minutes away from there in East Chicago, Indiana. And while Solo was a high school star in Los Angeles, he attended the University of Arizona. And for good measure, my guest for today's episode is also an Arizona Wildcat. Boy, surround yourself with good people and the chances of good things happening increase exponentially. All right, so as we get to the best part of A Toast to the A-Town, it's the part where my invited guest is about to come in. And before I bring him in, and we are obviously very, very thrilled to have him, uh, let me just talk for a, a, a little bit. And, and we know that our focus is basketball, but uh, once again, we've got another former Major League Baseball player who has a lot of basketball in his back pocket, too. He attended Washington High School in East Chicago, Indiana, where he was an All-State basketball player okay an all-state basketball player now he played 17 years in major league baseball but he was an all-state high school basketball player which is the reason why he went to the university of arizona on a basketball scholarship and that squad that he was on uh in 1988 reached the final four and they had five members of that team that reached and played in the NBA. So his basketball bona fides are just at the next level, but he decided Major League Baseball was his way to go. So while he did that, he played for 17 years. He was a six-time All-Star. He was a five-time stolen base champ. He was a four-time Gold Glove winner in center field. You know, just if you think it's hard, yeah, it is hard to do all of that. So we're very, very happy to uh, welcome to a toast to the A town. Uh, my good friend, Kenny Lofton, coming in here. Kenny, thanks for joining us here, man. No problem.
0: Thanks for having me, bro.
1: So uh, we, we, we could talk baseball all day. And I know you do that all the time, but a lot of people know, obviously, folks in Arizona know about the, the, the basketball stuff. But I want to start with the basketball, man, because okay. again, at Washington High School, all right, you were one of them guys on the high school. You pitched. And you were a center fielder, and you were all everything in baseball, but you were all state, and that's the state of Indiana for basketball. Yes. Come on, man. What was going on with you?
0: No, I mean, again, I just was pretty much I had the athletic ability to do whatever I needed to do, basketball, baseball. But, again, where I grew up and how I was raised, I had to get a find a way to get a, a full scholarship, and basketball was the way. Baseball wasn't giving out mm-hmm. full scholarships. Mm-hmm. So there was no way I was going to go to college on a partial scholarship. I had to go full or not go at all.
1: Well, Arizona wasn't the only place you could have gone, Kenny. So, but you end up going. You go to a squad. You go to you go to a place that's known for basketball. And then, was that the challenge? Just in, and in, in, as far as your ability goes, and you wanting to go to some place that you knew was really good.
0: Well, again, you know, for me having the opportunity. To, to go somewhere different and me being where I grew up in the cold snow and then I have <laughs> the opportunity to go a place like Arizona and knowing we had some good recruits coming in and just the opportunity for me to have a change for me. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have a change from where I grew up, where there were bullets flying over my head all the right. time, and gangs and all that. So the opportunity for me to, to go somewhere where it seemed like it was peace and quiet, was <laughs> kind of
1: cool. So Arizona was the place for me. How much, How well, first of all, did you have a first love between baseball and, and, and basketball? Did you love one more than a, the other?
0: Um, I think, you know, growing up in, you know, in that area where basketball was the Hoosier basketball, and it was all basketball, you know, growing up, and, you know, you had all the ladies, all the basketball, <laughs> you know, there was not no ladies around baseball. But I think that's where the hype came up for me. I think baseball was my first love, but mm-hmm. I think basketball at that time, was going to put me in the area where I need to go. And again, like I said earlier, no no full scholarships in baseball. It was a full scholarship Mm -hmm. in basketball. So that was my first thing was how do I get to college without having to find money to Mm -hmm. be able to go to school? And basketball did that for me.
1: Let me touch on on, on on one of your teams there in Arizona as we stay on the Wildcats for a moment. And it's the one in 88 that makes it to the Final Four. Kenny, on that squad, okay, I mentioned five guys make it to the NBA. Steve Kerr, Sean Elliott, Tom Tolbert, Anthony Cook, Judd Bushler. These guys all get to the next level in basketball. Uh, Craig McMillan was on that team. He uh-huh. was a high school parade All-American man. And... Your friend, Roger Mason, who I remember dunking on people as a guard, and he's gone on to be a major, major, major man in the world of music and producing and all of that stuff there. So what was that crew like for you, man?
0: Again, we had, like I said, we had Harvey Mason. We also can't forget Sean Rooks on that team as well. So, you know, and Harvey Mason is one of the biggest and baddest uh, music producers right now. Also, who's doing um, music as well. I mean, he's doing music and TV. Right now, but you know, you had Steve Kerr, you had Joe Bushler, you had Sean Elliott. You, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> we had some talent on that team, and uh, we end up you know, going against uh, Oklahoma team with Mookie Blaylock, mm-hmm. uh, Steve King, and um, and Harvey Grant, you know, Horace Grant, you know, mm-hmm.
1: that was, um, yeah, we kind of got our butts whooped, yeah, yeah, but man, oh man, still. So, again you go for baseball for almost two decades, but just your basketball and your love for basketball. And and I I had Brian uh, Jordan here a couple of weeks ago and, you know, we talked about the game. So your season as a member of the Atlanta Braves also allows you to play in Brian Jordan's celebrity game. And as I told him, you know, what I know of John Smoltz, John Smoltz is as fired up to talk to me about basketball and to pull out videos on his phone (sighs) of him at the YMC of, of anything. And, John Smoltz also made sure that you were his teammate in the Celebrity Games, right?
0: Well, you know, me and John had a connection. He, I know he was, a, he was a guy who loved basketball. He knew I played basketball. And mm-hmm. the opportunity for he and I to, to hook up from the baseball to the basketball, he wanted to make sure I was on his team because he knew I was a high flyer and he wanted to be the, the mini magic, you know, on, <laughs> right. on the court being the point guard. Right. So it was a perfect fit.
1: And I tell you, as as we think about all of that going on, man, um, how is it that you how do how do you make the change to go like you know what? I'm athletic, I, I can do all that, but I know that baseball is 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 going to be the way for me. And as far as longevity goes,
0: well, again, you know, going to Arizona, when an opportunity for me to the opportunity didn't present itself like I wanted to. I mean, mm-hmm. I had Steve Kerr, Tom Tober, yes, Sean Elliott, Judd Brustler, mm-hmm. Sean Brooks. So I couldn't even – once I, I dribbled the ball down the court and gave it up, uh-huh. I didn't get it back. Right. right. So <laughs> opportunity for me to show my basketball skills started to diminish you know, every time I passed the ball because right. so, I didn't get it back. And and you know, and I just felt like baseball was opportunity for me to show my individual talents and be able to, to do some one-on-one stuff that, you know, on the field, that basketball. Tom Tobit, the black hole, once you got right. it in, you know, it came back out. Right and look, so, you know, that's what happened.
1: I wasn't going to pour anything extra on the sauce. Because, look, you're on a hell of a team, okay? So that's one thing. But I would say, we're talking about you, and we're talking about Roger, and I mentioned McMillan. You guys trying to get on the court. You can't get on the court long enough.
0: <laughs> yeah, again, opportunity for us to try to, you know, how many guys can fit on the court. It was, it right. was tough because Lou Olsen had a problem with trying to rotate all of us in there mm-hmm. we had some talent. And um, again, um, the opportunity for everybody to go to the NBA, I was just the odd man out.
1: <laughs> so uh, we think about that, and we know that's in, in your back pocket. You've been living in L.A. for a while, man. So I've, I i know that you're you're there for Laker and Clipper games, and I've been able to see you. So as we think of this this iteration of the uh, uh, Atlanta Hawks and uh, watch the guard position, you've been Ooh. able to see Trey Young from a, a, from his rookie year and watch him go to where he is now. What do you think about his overall game? I mean his overall game he
0: at times he gets a little erratic mm-hmm. but that's the way his game is some people right. that's just who they are mm-hmm. and, you know you can just tell and he has that what I call it that Stephen Curry release that shot release I mean mm-hmm. and it's it's like off the charts you know mm-hmm. and you can, it's hard to guard a guy like that mm-hmm. and he's learning to to pass the ball he's learning to understand as a point guard but he's basically a a point point 2 because mm-hmm. he basically a, he's more of a shooter, and right? You right? Can play right? Somebody that can get him in open spots, but also he's mm-hmm. the guy that can create, or he's gonna uh, make people want to want to guard him because he he's gonna have the ball all the time, and and just watching him play, he's like a
1: Curry but mm-hmm. different. And and as again for you to be an ex pro player, his entertainment value. I've noticed you watching him and being in, so you're entertained by his flair.
0: I am. I like it again. Like I said, it gets erratic, but um, again, that was Mm -hmm. me as well. I kind of got (laughs) out of control at at times, but when it works, so you, I look at it this way, 80% he's in control, Mm -hmm. 20% he's out. So that's Mm -hmm. a good percentage. Mm -hmm. And for him, once he's on a roll, mm you better watch out. That brother's <laughs> going to be doing some stuff. All
1: right. Hey, hey, hey Kate, I think I owe uh, your old teammate an uh, uh, apology. I think I call Harvey Mason Roger Mason, and, and that's a, a mistake for my father, But and, and we talk about Harvey being major, major, major. Let me just give him a little more. Um, produce uh, Aretha Franklin, if you want to go to uh, a little old school there. Produce uh, Justin Timberlake. We could go on. We could talk for 10 minutes about Harvey, okay? And uh, from from the moment that he got inside of a studio – he was magic.
0: Well, again, his dad, you know, Harvey Mason mm-hmm. Sr. Mm-hmm. So he played for uh, George Benson back in the day, the drums. So you know, mm-hmm. again, he had the musical talent. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was also there when we end up having a um, a song at Arizona called "Wild About the Cats." He produced uh, that. So one wow. of our, our scenes in 1988 uh-huh. he did that. So uh-huh. we all knew he was something special. Again, because mm-hmm. again, his dad did what he did and we knew Harvey was going to be something special in the music. And Mm -hmm. he's done just that.
1: And uh, there's, there's a generation out there that's going to listen to this or going to hear this, that might not know this. So I know how everybody likes to dig a little deeper. So uh, whether it's uh, Spotify title, whatever you got to do, you get the George Benson weekend in LA. Okay. It was a double album from way back in the day. And uh, the, the Harvey Mason playing on that George Benson Uh, sensational stuff, but I'll let you know everything Kenny's talking about. Am I lying?
0: No, you ain't lying. I mean, again, I talked to his dad as well, and he still loves the music. He goes in to the studio with his son. You know, it's funny Mm -hmm. to see them in the studio together and just to see how they sit there Mm -hmm. and it just has how their mind just goes. Mm -hmm. Just looking at listening to music and you see how they listen. They hear something I'm like, I didn't hear that. And they say, oh, no, go back, go back.
1: <laughs> go back. It's kind right. of
0: crazy to watch those two in the studio together.
1: Mm-hmm. Watch it together. Hey, it's Kenny, so when you came to the Braves and you traded to the Braves from, from the Indians in, in the middle of your, your, your career, is it surprised you now as we sit here the way that entertainment and music has navigated and has become such a big deal here in the city of Atlanta from what it was back in 1997 when you played here? Again,
0: again, everything involves, you know, evolves. And yes. I think that's the opportunity to give people the opportunity to create music and do music. You know, Atlanta was the spot, but now with right. mm-hmm. people having that opportunity, when you get an opportunity to be able to, you know, be able to produce and do what you want to do, like, you know, like, like the Jermaine Dupree's out there, you know, mm-hmm. you give those guys that platform, a mm-hmm. uh, place to be able to show their talent. It just, the is the limit. And that's what's going on in Atlanta. It's the sky was the limit, and they took it yes, to sir. the highest height of, you know, you know, where, of where it can go.
1: What was the adjustment like for you as far as lifestyle and on the field too when you came to the Braves from 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 the Indians? Well, again, you know, Cleveland
0: was a little bit laid back and not mm-hmm. a whole lot going on. When you got to Atlanta, it was. I <laughs> go, boy. You can go from B Street to Alberta to China, You know, so you know, here we go. You know, that was the thing about you know Atlanta. You had opportunity to get out there and 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 do some things, and you know you mm-hmm. just had to you just had to keep your focus, you know, straight and narrow. But the mm-hmm. opportunity for you to go out and and mix things up, Atlanta mm-hmm. was
1: the place you could do it. So, I remember for me, and and in, in covering this from a media standpoint, I remember going and hanging out in Cleveland and going to the flats. You tell me that hanging out in the flats was a little bit different than the different options we had here in the A Town?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the flats had that one little spot, you know, you go in and, but, and, in Atlanta, <laughs> there were some places you should
1: go. <laughs> hey, Kenny, <laughs> I, I understand. Hey, Kenny, I think about it, and also to uh, uh, to have you here during Black History Month too, and, and yeah. think about you, your upbringing to go into baseball to thrive in baseball for as long as you did. And even though you're just here in Atlanta for, for one year, what was it like for you to, to, to be in a place where Hank Aaron was as far as learning and knowing the history like I know you do uh, about all the black players?
0: Well, the good thing about it is, you know, you have to understand being a, a black player in the, the Major League Baseball, you had to understand the, the roots. You had mm-hmm. to understand that the Negro League is the reason why we all were in this game, you know, today. And mm-hmm. I think you have to give your homage to to the Negro leagues because mm-hmm. again, without Satchel Page, Jackie Robinson, mm-hmm. you know, Larry Doby, the yes, opportunity for us to be in the position we're in today, those guys paved the way. You know, you had the Kirk Flood of, mm-hmm. of, of baseball mm-hmm. also with free agency to be able to do what you had to do. And I think that we as as black players in this in this game today need to give homage all the time. All the time. All the time, because again, the opportunity for us to do what we do it was because of them. And you're gonna always have to give your props mm-hmm. to the Negro League to have an opportunity. And those guys stood strong. And mm-hmm. now you see baseball right now is starting to to give props to the Negro League because
1: mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Finally. Fine, fine. You say finally. Finally. <laughs> you see How? The numbers those guys were putting up. Come mm-hmm. on. What was it about? What was it about? your game that was able to to drive you because just because you were a good athlete, just because you were focused, just because you you played through part of a steroid area era and I know you well and you 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 hated any Ooh. you hate aspirin. So you this was not anything about how do you keep focused in in, in a game like baseball for you?
0: Well, again, me, I just had to keep, you know, knowing that, you know, things are going to pay off in the end, you know, you okay. go out there and you always say you want to play the game the right way, mm-hmm. do it the right way, because in the end mm-hmm. it will pay off. And that's why I just kind of let, you know, let those people do what they did in the game, mm-hmm. knowing that in the end, mm-hmm. you know, they always say, when you do something in the dark, it's going to come on the light. <laughs> I always felt that. And I uh-huh. knew that eventually it was going to come on the light and mm-hmm. just kind of I just did what I had to do and mm-hmm. didn't worry about anyone else. Always say like Charlie Manuel always said, mm-hmm. know thyself.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I always felt like I knew who I was and I didn't worry about the rest of those guys. I just tried to do my job.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's go back to your final season, Kenny, 2007. All right. So the end of everybody's season, normally you really, I don't want to say fall off the cliff, but your production's not going to be what it was at the height of anybody's career. Your last year in Major League Baseball, you're a Texas Ranger. You spent half the season down there. You hit 300 for them. You, you, you grabbed 21 bags. You, you I, and, and even then, um, because the Indians were making a charge, the Indians reach out again and make you a part of the Indians. How were you able to still be productive like you were that final season?
0: Well, again, because I knew the game. I understood. I knew what my role was. A lot of okay. guys, when they get older, they try to change their mindset, change their game. But I felt like I needed I knew who I was as an individual and I knew what my role was on the field, mm-hmm. you know, so I didn't try to change it because of mm-hmm. my age. Again, I was a lot smarter. Mm-hmm. I understood when to steal, when not to steal, when, you know, when to try to, you know, hit the ball at the ballpark or, you know, get on base. My job was to get on base and mm-hmm. I knew there was opportunity all the time is that when I got on base, you know, a lot of good things happen. You know, like mm-hmm. Sandy Alomar always said, Kenny, when you go, we go. Mm-hmm. And that's what he felt like, you know, that was my my role. And if I stuck to my that role as me as an individual, that will always help the teams that I played on. Mm-hmm. And that's what I felt comfortable with.
1: You, you played for you played for some great managers. And I know the respect is you 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 mentioned Sandy. You you, you mentioned Charlie Manuel. Uh What was it like uh, uh, with Dusty Baker?
0: He was awesome. I mean, if the words are there's no words you can say that that can that can speak for Dusty because he was one of those guys that every teammate loved Dusty Baker. Okay. It wasn't like you black, Spanish, white, right, right. whatever. Mm-hmm. He treated everyone fair, but he understood that there are times where the veterans will get their, you know, their their due. Mm-hmm. But again, if a veteran stepped out of line. He did just like he did with anyone else. He said, "Come to my office. I got something to say to you." Oh, baby. And he respected you that way, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and he let everyone know that you know if you're out of line, I'm mm-hmm. gonna call you out, no matter who you are. And I think that's what made a lot of guys feel good about it because I played with Dusty, when it with Sammy, I played uh, mm-hmm. Dusty with Barry. Mm-hmm. And he basically let both of them know, don't get a line. I'm going to let you, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and pull you aside. I might not do it I'm in front of everybody, but everybody mm-hmm. going to know that mm-hmm. I pulled you aside.
1: And you see, I think there's a misconception for, for, for those of us in the media or folks that don't play that you hear the term players manager and you think, okay, they let the player, that person lets the player do do anything. And that's not, that's, that's not the case at all. Is it?
0: No, that, no, no, not at all. Especially with Dusty again, Mm-hmm. He'll say, you know, you be on time. If you're not on time, you'll get fined just like everyone else. I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll, he'll sign, find Sammy. He'll find Barry. It didn't mm-hmm. matter. But he will also let the young guys know that, you know, the guys, you know, who have been around, they will get the little, you know, perks of certain things. But in mm-hmm. the long run, it's all about being on the field and doing
1: your job on the field. And if you don't, I have something to say to you. And and, and that's how that's how it should be, right? And and again, that commands respect throughout the entire clubhouse
0: yes mm-hmm.
1: hey kenny we also here on uh, toast to the town you know one of the things I, i'm 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 proud of the the respect that i i get for uh uh calling out restaurants and food and everything and 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 thank god that the uh that 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 the vaccines are hopefully coming and we can get past this and we can get everybody back into uh, uh the restaurants and food but i want to take you back because we were in new york at the same time and, uh, and, and my food game definitely stepped up by levels in New York, but I want to tell you that one of the things that got me going, uh, you may remember it, you may not, you, you were on the Phillies then, and we went for a little post game meal and you took me to a place called Chin Chin, which your boy, oh. Jimmy, and that was, and i tell you what's beyond that, just being a five-star service food, next level, good, uh, uh, hate that it's not there anymore. Um, you ordered you ordered off the menu, man. I'd never seen that, man. And 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 you ordered the Grand Monterey shrimp off the off the menu, ah. man. So so I can't tell you how many times I did that. The folks <gasps> okay. come to see me in New York, and that just you know that just took me up the next level, man. But 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 for what? Have you always been? Did baseball make you a, a better restaurant person?
0: Um, again, when you when you were at that position, you know, again, mm-hmm. I was, mm-hmm. I I was able to to be able to uh, be able to afford to to try new things and do different mm-hmm. things. And when you're in New York, the opportunity for you to open things up and try to find different restaurants is people always have suggestions, but you always took it to heart, you know, but I always tell people, if a food wasn't good, I'm gonna let you know. Right. Well, right. But if, it's, if it's good, I'm gonna say mm-hmm. that too. Uh-huh. And I think that's where, and I felt comfortable of going to certain places mm-hmm. that I enjoy, you know, again, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, this where he's going, this place all the time. Mm-hmm. If you like the food, you like what you like. You just keep going there. Absolutely, other places, but you end up going back. It's almost like they Somebody say you go somewhere else, but you come back home. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and that's what I felt like. Certain restaurants, I came mm-hmm. back home because, again, that's what I felt comfortable and I liked, and I liked the service as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Best, best, best city. Would there be? Would New York be your best uh, as far as restaurant city pre-Corona? Oh yeah. Oh
0: yeah. New York is the best restaurant wise, because I think with New York, you have the, you know, the variety mm-hmm. and that think that's what makes New York so special is the variety with everything. Right. I think you have the opportunity to try and go and just, it's so much out there. It's sometimes you can go a week, you know, you can go a week or two going to so many different restaurants out there. Mm-hmm. But again, Mm-hmm. Go back to home because certain things, things you like.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, it's our, 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 prayer that we get past this, uh, get past this situation and, 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 and get the vaccine out there and get everybody, everybody back in restaurants. And, uh, cause, uh, so many of them have, uh, so many of them aren't going to be around, aren't around now. And, uh, we're doing all we can to get them, get them back together. So, uh, you're in L.A. with two cities, it's which with two teams. It's, are, are you Lakers or are you Clippers? Do you have a preference? Is there one over the other for you? Well, I'm a season ticket
0: holder with the uh, with the Clippers. Okay. Because, again, it's hard to get Laker tickets. But, again, I was always, always kind of me, I always like to root for the underdog. Uh-huh. You know, and at that time, I was, you know, trying to go with the underdog, and mm-hmm. I just knew the Clippers had that opportunity to, to, to do something. And even though the Lakers, 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 everybody saw you here, I'm like, well, what about the underdog team? Uh-huh. You know, but again, I go to both, you know, uh, games, you know, I don't right. go to Lakers often, right. but I do. But I have season tickets with
1: the Clippers. OK. And now, Kenny, you're also uh, involved in the movie business a little bit. Can we can we talk about that for a second before let let you go? Know? Well,
0: I have a company called Film Pool. We do some small budget films and small, you know, we do editing. I have a full edit post house in L.A., um, mm-hmm. out here in L.A., we do color sound, we do graphics, we do all of that. So, if you go out and shoot a movie, we can go out and shoot it for you. Mm-hmm. We can come in, we edit it, we can put it on the screen. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's what I got my degree at Arizona in TV film. So, mm-hmm. opportunity for me to do what I'm doing now. My business partner, Britson Early, is one special, awesome dude. He works he works his butt off. And again, we're just trying to keep the doors open and doing what we're doing. And um, we're not, there's you no know, Tyler Perry level. we on mm-hmm. on like a. <laughs> 36th of Tyler perry what he's doing <laughs> um again it's still
1: you know, it's like, still an award it's an award-winning company and that's 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 what i'm that's what i'm gonna call it, regardless of the size oh okay well
0: we, we're we're trying to get to that level but again mm-hmm. we're out there doing what we can do and and we're having fun doing it
1: Kenny, I appreciate you coming on here, man. It's always good to touch base with you again and again. You are connected to the A-Town, and you know that without question. But despite the uh, Hall of Fame baseball numbers, for me, you're a basketball player, brother.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know all that. I mean, I have, I have both of my blood. But, you know, the, the baseball is a little thicker than basketball right now. But when I'm watching
1: it on TV, huh. Thick in basketball, (laughs) brother. I understand that. Kenny, stay healthy. Thank Thank you once again, man. And we will talk to you on down the road. All right, for sure, brother. Peace out, man. Thank you. All all right. Uh, Once again, uh, Kenny Lofton joined us here. Former Atlanta Brave. Again, let's see. uh, 17-year Major League Baseball career. And uh, I'm sure, like I said, Arizona Wildcats knew all about that baseball background, about the basketball background. And, of course, if you're going to be All-State, East Chicago, Indiana, yeah, you know you had a game to the next level. But that's going to wrap up this edition of A Toast to the A-Town. Hey, make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't done that already. I'm Andre Aldridge, keeping you up to date here on everything Atlanta related. And uh, we will see you next time. Presented by the Basketball Podcast Network.